Hello, my name is Nick Spacek, and you're listening to From and Inspired by a podcast about soundtracks and the people who make them. On this episode, we talk with Andy Chug and Sam Skarstad about the new music library just launched by production company Gilded Audio. Audio, the creative production force between the podcasts Amy Schumer's Three Girls, One Keith, Other Tone with Pharrell, and The Pet, have launched something entirely different. The Gilded Audio Music Library offers media makers a place to browse organic and beautifully crafted instrumental and atmospheric music to purchase at an affordable price for any creative project, podcast, films, commercials, etc., in need of the perfect musical vibe. The Gilded Audio Music Library was built in response to the bland stock flavors found in traditional music libraries. It's meant to benefit media makers in that it offers them a new place to find exciting music that nobody else is using, but it's also a great new source of income for the hardworking bands and artists providing the songs. We talk about the creative process, library music, and the whole history of Gilded Audio with the company's Andy Chug and musician Sam Skarstad. There's also an incredibly entertaining diversion into the history of a well-known Little Caesars commercial. Uh, It gets weird uh, and fun. Take a listen. for talking to me today if you want to both introduce yourselves so that everybody knows who's talking (laughs) yeah go ahead andy i'll go first my name is andy chug i'm the managing director and founder of a company called gilded audio who specializes in creative digital audio projects you know lately it's been mostly podcasting but you know we're doing works in public art we have a big 
project coming out with a very famous <laughs> museum in New York, um, as well as, um, you know, some other special projects like a music library and, you know, other explorations in that field. Um, I'm also a musician and, um, music producer who kind of focuses in music editing. Um, so that's, that's sort of my background. I, I dabbled in, in public radio as well. <laughs> um, so kind of all over the audio and music worlds. And my name is Sam. I am a music composer, um, write mostly for TV advertising by day. Um, I play in a black metal band called Yellow Eyes, and uh, I occasionally write some some music for Andy's uh, podcasts. Now, like the one of the main reasons we're talking is about the the new Gilded Audio Music Library, which um, when I got the press release, I'm 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 always fascinated by the idea of library music because it has sort of like this rich, deep, colorful history with all of these very famous composers having worked essentially anonymously for so long, like John Barry, um, Fabio Fritzi, um, Stelvio Cipriani, like, uh, basically any Italian composer worked at some point. So, um, Andy, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, uh, like the press release obviously says that it was built in response to the bland stock flavors found in traditional music libraries. Um, and like getting to sort of dig through the music library, like I was really sort of, uh, intrigued by the idea that like modern library music really kind of does suck. And what you're doing, it, like all of these tracks are things that just listening to in general, I quite enjoyed. Nice. I'm I'm glad to hear that. I think you know, it was built in response to that and I'll give you, you know, a sort of example of of just how gross that can be sometimes and is actually an interaction I had with Sam recently. I texted Sam a, a screenshot of a <laughs> library music album that I had found. Um and you know, a lot of these libraries organize it by like album or by theme. And, you know, this, this album was just called like woke and it was like a raised <laughs> fist. And it's like, you know, all this music that's built for the commercialization of social justice. And it made me just sick that like, you know, not that, not that brands are finally, you know, participating in a conversation, but that like we were building an entire like advertising economy around, um, music that sounds like it might be something these people might be attracted to. And it was just, the whole thing was just felt really off to me um, rather than being like, you know, organic music <laughs> coming from an actual community or an actual scene. Um, it was, it was just presented in a way that made me feel really uncomfortable. Um, and, you know, meanwhile, the, we have a lot of artist friends who are looking for other ways to make a living. Meanwhile, on top of that, Gilded Audio has a lot of clients who are looking for music. And it was kind of a no-brainer to just bring those worlds together and create a uh, – what's the right word I'm looking for? Create a uh, – Synergy. A synergy. <laughs> yeah, trying to avoid saying let me, any – Let me help you out there. Andy. Any any, any – uh, corporate lingo but 
but yeah, I mean, just a, a simple way to to make it happen and, and achieve goals for everybody. Uh, yeah, you, you know, it's it's no matter what. Um, to your first question of why everyone seems to be attracted to the idea of writing for a music library, the fact is, um, it's it's a way to make money, and um, everyone from the history of recording has been trying to. Uh, find a way to make music easier to write when it's for anything that has to do with not your soul expression, <laughs> you know, from Rivers Cuomo trying to develop algorithms to write Weezer songs oh, to God. AI machine learning. And the fact is, it's always going to be hard to write anything that that tickles your brain in any way. It's always going to be hard. And I think outsourcing that to a bunch of people who um, who enjoy it for some, for whatever reason, maybe they, they write something in a, in a little sliver of a genre and that's what they enjoy. And then someone else writes in a little sliver of another one. Sometimes the hardest part is extending yourself to the other side of the bed where you don't really want to be writing something that you don't want to write. And those are just, you know, those are about 300% harder at times. So, you know, opening up a satellite dish and letting people come to you, I think, is a, is a, is the only way to do it, really, in some in some circumstances. It's sort of fascinating because um, I think so many people these days think of like, especially like if you're producing a podcast or um, like a YouTube channel or something like that, like the 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 tendency i think and there's a reason there's a documentary about it now is that you have you know someone like um say kevin mcleod um you know who has all of this music that you can use for free um uh, and do you think like people go to try to find like you know like free background music you know like searches yes. uh, in google because yeah. because <laughs> yeah. so much of like what you pay for is like i, I don't want to say trash but like not uh, applicable like the the thing that i really quite enjoyed about like digging through the music library is that you have some absolutely fantastic like um like markers in terms of like tone that you can search for uh like in the tags like i like the fact that there's just like aggressive or <laughs> or lazy um new wave um like release which i like it's all just very um like you can I, like i could find stuff that like was hitting whatever mood i was particularly going through like as i've dug through it the last week that's cool. And I, I hope that that gets even more um, visceral or more just fun where you can just, um, you know, type in zebra <laughs> and, you know, it, it pulls up something that just sort of reminds you of that. And, you know, the, a lot of the, the artists are responsible for contributing that. Um, you know, we have some like standard ones that are, you know, sort of go to moods, but we allow the artist to um, contribute those adjectives as well. Can I answer a question you didn't even ask, but I think is relevant? Which Absolutely. Is that um, the whole idea of a library, as far as music goes, is fascinating to any musician. I think who who's an editor or even a, even just an editor, because it's kind of the DJ 
trick. It's it's kind of like a magic trick. You know, there are certain DJs whose bread and butter is just to stitch together existing music. Um, and uh, there's something that happens when you get to turn off the part of your brain that's generating the melody and you get to just put things to what you're working on. You get to just slap things on. It's like a different physical process. It's not painting. It's like a sculpture or something. It's some other thing that's tactile. And it's almost like a relay race where someone does all this horrible hard work uh, trudging alone down the road and and passes it off to to the DJ who gets to climb the mountain and present <laughs> it differently. And, um, and, and it can often be transcendent, just layering. I mean, some of my, some of my favorite music I've ever heard are mixtapes, you know, weird art, you know, mixtapes. And, uh, and, and in a way that it's similar to, um, just an editor having at their fingertips all these tracks. They can just dip their hand in and pull something out. And even if it's wrong, I mean, there's, there's something to the idea of just grabbing a random thing and just throwing it on there. It, you, you get to just use the part of your brain that's just, uh, visceral yes or no. And sometimes like, I don't even know why I like this. You, you get to turn off the melody part, which I think is a, a fantastic advantage sometimes. I'm curious as to, um, if this sort of grew out of given that Gilded Audio has created so and, and produced like so many, like really intriguing podcasts. You're working with Pharrell. Um, I think bears mentioning, um, it, 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 is it, like the idea, like you're having to craft music for your shows and it almost makes sense to have a, a library for yourselves. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's precisely, um, a, you know, a use case, you know, this is something we do with Sam all the time, you know, it helps nudge things in the right direction when you have a co- a shared language to work mm-hmm. from. Um, and the library allows that process to move a little bit more quickly. Um, and, you know, Sam mentioned earlier, you know, painting or sculpting. And I think those are perfect metaphors for how editors work. You know, sometimes music is used to cover up a flaw. Sometimes <laughs> music is used to highlight um, a mood or emotion. It's used in, in a lot of different ways. And so these tracks were chosen and curated to serve the greatest possible, um, you know, uh, to give the most tools within that tool belt, you know, without being a, a major distraction, distraction, especially for podcasts, which are, you know, mostly voice oriented. How did the two of you come to work together? Okay. So. My first knowledge of Sam being a composer was, you know, for film and TV. And he wrote this spot, um, for a, a, <laughs> a, a I don't know, Sam, am I allowed to talk about it? The of course. I pizza even, thing? I, I'm not even sure which one you're talking about, but I hey. became obsessed with a spot that he wrote for Little Caesars, which was an oh, yeah, a, yeah. acapella, um, hilarious thing. And he had like the most, hilarious story about going to set and then like i don't know you can sort of tell the stories but i I just became obsessed with him and this sense of humor and and the music itself it was just i mean it was one of these 
jobs. It's a very weird job writing for TV. I, I love it in a lot of ways because it's absurd. And one of the early absurd jobs I did was write um, a choral uh, piece for a Little Caesars commercial that had to be sung by a choir. Um, and it was just, it was just, you know, being flown to LA and being put up in some hotel and just going to set. And, and, uh, suddenly, suddenly I realized that, you know, I didn't even really know what my, my job was for the shoot. I just knew that I had just this little fragment of a melody that, that I had sent over to them in stems and, uh, and, and we show up to set and suddenly I realized that. I kind of have to take the choir leader role and go in the hallway and rehearse the the singers who were all just kind of fresh faced, excited to get a gig in in LA, and you know they're all kind of nice, and none of them can really sing that well, but they sort of can, and they're going to capture audio on set, and it was it was it was kind of I mean it worked, you know the, these people know what they're doing, but uh, I I just had this thrilling moment of just like sitting under the this this massive camera on, on, you know, this, this like huge shoot, just directing these choir, uh, singers. And they're just looking at me and we have earpieces and I'm, and I'm doing all these, these, uh, these sort of, uh, like garish orchestral, uh, conductor moves. And, um, and it's just, you know, it's just this little Caesars commercial. It was, it was, you know, it was so fun. It was so fun and so insane, but that's, that's just the kind of thing you do in, in this. It's, uh, the kicker was that it they, it was this high pressure, high stakes, um, hot lights set singing about the cheeses being in the crust. Oh, that commercial. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. The the cheese in the crust, and and I yeah, and, and it, it's been a while. I, I I remember just sitting there. I had to. There was a point, you know, because there's a lot of things going on. They had to shoot it from a bunch of different angles. There was a point where I had to be this be the voice of the singer for pacing i just sing the line <laughs> and i'm sitting on on the side of the of the set just just singing this line in the crust <laughs> you know with the g's in the crust and i'm just singing it over and over and over again for hours and uh you know yeah and and it's uh you you ask yourself some questions during those moments but <laughs> luckily the answers were uh were tolerable it was it was a good time. I I loved it. I had a great time. And that's that was the answer to like how we met and started working together, sort of. Um, but that's the moment where I, I fell in love with Sam. <laughs> Just hearing that and knowing that that was what he does for work. Just and, blew and, yeah, my this was mind. early. On. I think I think I had just kind of started getting into the industry, and and it was just the act of doing it was thrilling. And and I think you know, Andy and I were were just getting to know each other, and it was like it was just I don't know it was it was uh it was on my mind, you know it was uh it was part of my life at the yeah. time. I, Sam, I'm always fascinated by the fact that like so many uh composers that i talk to and it may be because i have like a like a horror movie bent uh but like so many composers have this like relation to like the heavy music underground um and i just i i'm always like just fascinated by like how um like for instance you play in a a a metal band called yellow eyes. Um, but you also, uh, do like composition. Like how does that, 
like, how does that uh, conjunction work for you in particular? Well, uh, it it doesn't work, and that's why <laughs> I enjoy the near constant tension in my life at all times. I mean, the you know, I, I go on tour some years uh, for many weeks of the year. Um, I work for uh, primarily for a company in New York, uh, who is I've known for years. They're they're great friends of mine, and they're they're you know thrilled to let me do this, and I I love them for it. Um, and and they kind of laugh when I go off and and set off for for some uh, some difficult times out in Europe, <laughs> and and the guy and and in the van. Uh, it's, it's just not even conceivable to most of the people in this tight van that this is what I do. And it's, it's generally just, uh, a, a mystery, you know, and, and I, and I don't even talk about it much cause it's often just not even what you want to talk about out on the road, but there, there are times, yeah, but it's just a constant tension in my life. And, um, and I mean, there've been so many times where I've been on the road writing, a Panera bread track or something on a little <laughs> laptop in the van. I mean, I had to do this at a festival in Ger- in Berlin or something. You know, I was all, all the way on the road, just playing a set and then just going to huddle in the, in the car and write clarinet arpeggios. And, and, uh, I mean, it's, it, it's both this abstract tension and practical, very real tension. I mean, even, even just, I, I think of this one moment that, that, uh, I, I go back to a lot, <laughs> Somehow there, there was a, a recent album we did a few years ago was, was, uh, it's, it was called Rare Field Ceiling. It, one, one of the most intense experiences of my life, just, I, I moved to, to a little cabin in the woods and just worked on it for three months, almost primarily alone with the band coming up on the train, uh, just, to, you know, to practice. We were just practicing and getting ready to do it. And, um, you know, it was, it was summer. It was just this kind of, strange summer a lot of stuff was going on i i was just alone i was just watching turkeys cross the yard every morning and you know listening for the same owl call at night just totally alone and i'd see the band kind of come up the the driveway and and it was it was just this strange experience total isolation and at the same time i was writing a bunch of music for ads that can't wait the band stuff can can wait until an hour later the the ad stuff cannot because there's all sorts of uh, important people involved, and uh, I was working on a a, a Reese's um, a Reese's Christmas commercial, and I was and I, I was trying hard to nail it. Uh, I was doing revisions, and I was I was downstairs working on this Reese's Christmas commercial while the whole band is upstairs. We'd been practicing. We were ready to lay down some music and. And I had to do these revisions urgently, you know, these, these sort of glockenspiel chords. I had to get them right. And I'm downstairs and there, and I can hear them upstairs just making fun of me. You know, I, I'm downstairs <laughs> just trying to find the right major, minor, Stravinsky-esque nutcracker chords. And they're all up there, you know, I, I'm hearing drum, drumming on the, on the floorboards and, you know, everybody's taking whiskey shots and, and I'm just downstairs with, with my little, MIDI keyboard trying to get my glockenspiel uh, chords right, and it's just moments away from recording this this album, and uh, you know th- th- it just happens so much that I overlook it. But that moment somehow was like I I just wanted to call to both sides of my life and say here we are together. You know I just wanted to bring everyone together and say it's all happening in this room <laughs> at once, and uh, and and they couldn't be more different sides of your brain. 
So that's that's where that's where the tension is. It's sort of the different, you know, neurological processes involved that creates the tension. Sam, it's sort of only occurring to me now, but I I think that's maybe something we shared early on as well. I mean, I, I've been in pretty heavily involved in the heavy music scene as well. And, you know, it was, I think that's why I felt such a kinship in you is because it's like, we have this other sort of, it's not a shameful side, but there's some sort of like dissonance, obviously, between DIY, punk, metal stuff, and then the Reese's commercial. <laughs> and it's, yes. It's, you know, it's to say it lightly. Yeah. To say it lightly. I mean, in my example there is, um, you know, when I first started doing podcasts and these, some of these more like intense commercial podcasts, you know, I would, I would go by Andrew, Andrew (laughs) Chug instead of Andy, because it was just like, I don't want people finding my, like, you know, this industrial punk band that I'm in and like seeing me with my, half naked on stage or whatever oh that's right you were you're you were in population 1280 right that's right yep yes uh uh uh, listeners they released several albums on sacred bones um if you know what sacred bones (laughs) is as a label that should give you an idea Uh, (laughs) um one of of my more favorite labels as a matter of fact um so the the interesting thing is like as um editors and composers like the two of you are working you know behind the scenes pretty much um and it's kind of fascinating cuz like listening to you Sam talk about you know working on projects for little caesars or reeses you know these are like very big name brands or, you know, Andy, like the, the other tone podcast has Pharrell, uh, 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 three girls, one Keith has, has Amy Schumer. Um, like you're, you're both working with, you know, very big names. Like, uh, what is the, the, the goal for, what you do either it be in composition or editing or um production to you know like what is the pressure like working with you know these very high profile names uh yeah i mean it's the the pressure uh well you know i i I think just first of all it just must be said one is for money and one is for love just period you know it it I mean, in my case, I won't speak for, for Andy, but, um, not that I don't love it. I, I find it fascinating and it's helped me think about the mechanics of music. But, um, when something is for money, when it's to survive and to feed your child, which, uh, which I have now as of about four months ago, you, uh, every, everyone who's ever you know, who's ever tried to make it has made compromises. And, uh, my particular compromise was to, um, use a skill for money. And, uh, and t- to that end, the pressure is mostly uh, for me about pride doing, making sure I do a good job and, uh, making sure I, I don't screw it up. And, um, you know, you, you stop thinking about the brands involved because there's, you know, I, 
in, at least in, in the composition side, there's so many people between, there's so many producers and luckily I think they, they, uh, they kind of leave us alone. We're sort of the, the cattle in, in the pen and they, they, things, things come to us, you know, through many layers of, of, uh, veiled direction and, and it's our job to translate that and we get to stop thinking about who it's for. I often, <laughs> forget in the middle of a job who it's for i don't even some there are times if it's a pre-score or something i you know i i or i don't know i forget a week later what it was i did the week before you know it's very um quick i often write two or three tracks a day so the pressure is only as much as as you as you want it to be there uh you you often just think of it just in mechanical terms that's that's from my point of view. i'm sure it's entirely different for andy because he's actually mm-hmm. doing the the admin stuff, which, uh, I both admire and, uh, feel sorry for, for him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's, it's when you, when you end up on a texting basis, that's when it's sort of (laughs) fucking scary. Um, you know, not to, not to humble brag or whatever, but that's just like, you know, you cross this threshold of expectation and then, you know, you become a um, regular part of a high profile, high profile client's orbit. Um, and it's, it can be intimidating. And, you know, but I think, you know, we're hired because we have the confidence to say, bug off right now. <laughs> like I'm busy <laughs> or, or whatever. Like that's a bad idea. You know, we got hired by Pharrell because one of the, um, qualifications was like you know can you can you tell me when something is whack or like can you tell me when something just isn't gonna isn't gonna work and we felt you know as a company pretty confident to be able to handle that um and you know it it, it's because i keep a healthy relationship with music um and audio outside of the gilded audio portfolio in addition to inside of the gilded audio portfolio um I can always re-energize my passion um, with a, a, you know, seemingly endlessly. And I need that passion order in order to deal with the stress of, of some of these clients. That, that's a good answer about, about saying no. That, that's something that, um, that I've also perversely enjoyed over the years is, is uh, being on some important, important conference call and, and, uh, and, uh, only if I think I should say no, but I, I like shooting down an idea, the opportunity to shoot down an idea because in those moments you get to emerge as maybe something more than just a, just a, a drone or something. It, or it, it maybe speaks to, to, um, you know, everybody wants someone who, who says what they mean, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Every, everybody yeah. needs that at, from time to time. And it's nice to say, you know what? Let's just be honest. That, that's just not going to work. I, I can already imagine what that would sound like and it's just not going to work. And here's why. And, uh, I think that's one of those secret, um, one of those secret things that they don't tell you to do, but when you do it, um, people often appreciate it. That seems to make a whole lot of sense. Well, I want to thank both of you for taking time to talk to me this evening. Like this has been a really great conversation and it's gone some really fun places uh i was not expecting to talk about little caesars (laughs) and uh that was great 
Um, and again, thank you both so much for taking time to talk about uh, your work. Yeah, for sure. Thanks so much. And, you know, enjoy uh, Kansas. I don't know if there's two feet of snow there like there is here, but I hope there's. Isn't that the city of fountains? Is that true? That is Kansas City, and it 100% is actually the city of fountains. Okay. That's are they fro- are they frozen or empty, or what's going on with those fountains right now? I literally have not been to Kansas City in like six months. Okay. <laughs> because of the whole pandemic thing. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Let's, let's just say they're frozen. Then. Let's just say they're frozen and they're gorgeous. They look like crystalline okay. sculptures lit up in the night. Hell yeah. I'm happy. Chug and Sam Skarstad for talking with me, as well as my cat Bella for making a surprise appearance. Gilded Audio is on Twitter at Gilded Audio, that's G I L D E D A U D I O, and their website is gildedaudio.org. And you can find the music library at gildedaudio.org slash music library. You can find links to purchase all of the music you heard on the show in the show notes for this episode, which are at fromaninspiredby.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at fromaninspiredpod and can be found on Instagram at fromaninspiredby. You can subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Click those follow and subscribe buttons, please. Also, please hit up the website and click on the Aid and Assistance button to help pay for web hosting and long-distance fees, and remember to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. We'll be back in two weeks talking with composers Benji Marison and Will Slater about their work for the BBC Dynasties series of nature documentaries, among other things. Until then, thanks for listening. Behold, Little Caesar's deep, deep dish pizza with more cheese. Where did they put it? In the cross! Yes, they added over three and a half feet of cheese right in the crust! Cheesy crust, cheesy crust, they put it in the crust! It makes something great even better! Yes, it does! Yes, it does! With the cheese in the crust! Little Caesar's stuffed crust deep, deep dish pizza stuffed with over three and a half feet of cheese, just ten bucks, only at Little Caesar's. Pizza, pizza.